welcome to Who's That Girl, a new girl podcast. I'm Kritika. And I'm Kelly. And today we'll be discussing Season 2, Episode 17, Parking Spot. This episode aired February 19th, 2013, and the writer was Rebecca Adelman, who last wrote for Season 2, Episode 15, Cooler, and was directed by Fred Goss, who last directed Season 2, Episode 3, Fluffer. In Parking Spot, Schmidt finds a parking spot in the apartment building, and he, Nick, and Jess fight over who deserves it. Winston also meets up with Daisy to have sex, but dramatically does not have a condom. When this episode opens, we see Jess and Nick in the bathroom brushing their teeth, and I immediately got flashbacks to Season 1, Episode 5, because that's when they were brushing their teeth but having their feet point at each other, and it was just kind of cute how they decided to like bring this type of scene back, but then they <laughs> had such an awkward moment because they're looking at each other and they're just going, I like how things aren't weird between us, and we're just two roommates who totally sucked face, and it's fine. (laughs) I'm just, as many, I'm sure, watching this scene going, yeah, it's definitely not totally normal, Jess. Like, there's definitely some, some stuff going on here. For sure. Especially because she would find it weird if this was Winston or Schmidt. So it's not normal. If it was normal, then it would be totally fine for them to have sucked face. And as we see in the episode, she's totally not okay with that. So I definitely agree with that. It is so awkward watching this. And Nick just keeps looking at her. And then they even say like, let's go to a fancy restaurant together. I was sitting there looking at the TV like, are you going on a date? Like, we've seen you guys at a fancy restaurant before. And that's when Nick was being your fluffer. They're definitely being very awkward, for sure, because they don't know what to do and how to be around each other. And I really love how we don't get to kind of see the conclusion of this moment or have them finish talking about this because Schmidt busts in and, oh my gosh, breaks the towel rack and he's just like parking spot and everyone's so concerned and he realizes that they had a parking spot, which my immediate reaction to that was Schmidt why did you even tell them? Because then it immediately became a competition and he didn't even have to say it, which later he realizes and he's like, why am I so dumb? I did not have to tell them. And I'm like, exactly. <laughs> you could have just had the spot to yourself and no one would have been the wiser. I know. And they decide to share it at first, or at least that's Jess's suggestion. And of course, it's in the most chaotic way possible where they each get it for a day and a half plus six hours on Sunday. And I agree. Sharing the spot can be nice. I mean, that's how you make it equitable. But why can't they just do it like every week? Like this is your week with the spot. Of course, like it's a comedy. So I get why that didn't come across their minds. And it would have rendered the entire episode useless. But I just loved seeing Jess's way of thinking of, yeah, a day and a half plus six hours on Sunday. Like who's going to wake up or go downstairs at 1am or midnight to go be like, my shift's over, next car come in. Yeah, her solution was definitely not going to be the one that got chosen for sure. But yeah, I don't, I guess I was surprised to see them all compete so intensely and have so much competition over getting this one spot in the building. But then I kind of get it once you kind of see how everyone's actually parking, where Schmidt's in a lot and like he's middled in and Nick's car is just covered in cardboard in like the LA riverbed, which you're just like, uh, Nick, your car okay? Like everything good? But Jess was really fun because we got like a mention of outside Dave and 
just kind of like her situation where later she even finds like cats just covering her car. <laughs> so I guess it makes sense that they all started to get really competitive about what's going to happen with this. I think it made for a fun episode just to watch them all go to such lengths. And like you said, it starts to make sense when you realize what they've been dealing with. I would have loved to see where Winston came from because obviously he's, I assume, driving to see Daisy, not running. And so it would be interesting to see where he had to park his car, but everybody is just wherever they can. And, you know, with Outside Dave that you mentioned, Jess is even getting him coffee because he's sleeping on her car and she's getting herself coffee so that he has time to leave. And I was like yelling at Jess from the TV, like, why are you getting him coffee? Like, I know this is totally in your personality, but you don't need to get him coffee. No, she definitely didn't. But then, you know, thinking of Winston, what even is his car? Because his car broke down. Did he get a new car? They didn't tell us he did. I assume he did because he wanted the spot as well. And we see him in a car at the end of the episode. So I guess he got a new car, but it was never a to-do in the show to like how he got this car. Yeah, minor announcement. Winston got a new car, which maybe was a big <laughs> deal. But yeah, I, I thought that scene at the table, though, was pretty funny when they were all fighting for it. Because not only does Nick mispronounce Wi-Fi, <laughs> he says Wi-Fi. But then also... Each of them are like, um, yeah, I I deserve the card because I'm a lady. Like, Jess is like, I'm the lady. But then Winston's like, oh, well, then I'll play the race card. Nick, though, is like, oh, I'm playing the lazy drunk card. <laughs> and Schmidt is like, oh, I'm the deserves it card. And that's when I think he realizes, like, he didn't even have to tell them. And it's like, yes, Schmidt, you probably didn't. But then I don't even understand Nick. That's not a thing. No, lazy drunk card is not a thing. And even the way, like you said, he said Wi-Fi. Kelly and I know that like in Europe and other places, they do say wiffy. So it's not necessarily something wrong. But we also know that Nick is not saying it because he knows that it could be called wiffy. He's just calling it what he wants to call it. But in the scene, I surprisingly had to side with Schmidt because he does do more for the loft. Like he's the one keeping it clean. We saw that in control. He's the one paying the utilities. We see that. And he says that even in this episode. And he's always putting in everything to the loft, it feels like. And I feel like he did deserve this parking spot. Although I'm okay with Winston getting it, especially how this episode ended. Yeah, no, it worked out for, for Winston to get it in the end. But the shenanigans that they all did to compete for this parking space was ridiculous, especially, especially Jess. I both really loved her little get up outfit and how she was trying to be like a seductive like Nick honestly with her skirt but like wearing his sweatshirt but then at the same time I'm like just wait you're literally trying to seduce Nick after you've kissed when you know he has feelings despite what you're admitting to yourself about feelings like that is not that's like it almost to me felt like a low blow I was like you're really you're really getting this man while he's down because he doesn't know what to do and this is an awkward situation for both of you and you're coming in to flirt with him with like your shoulder exposed. And I'm like, what are you doing, Jess? <laughs> Honestly, I did not like her outfit in this at all. And even as she starts like chewing the jacket strings and he's like, you really shouldn't be doing that. And I was also yelling, Jess, you shouldn't be doing that. Get it out of your mouth. And the thing about this whole approach is it only works if 
he has feelings for her, which she spent the whole episode negating, like you said. So I don't know where she even thought this would work. And it just leads to this like really awkward moment where she gets the spot from him and he tries to give her a hug, which he does a lot in this episode. And she like gets really awkwarded out and twists his nipples. That to me was so distracting and alarming because <laughs> I was like, wait, what are you doing and why? You were flirting with him and immediately decided to get out of your awkward situation by grabbing his nipples and twisting them and yelling purple nurple. What? Like, <laughs> I had no other reaction. I just was, that to me was, I think, the most jarring thing in the whole episode was like seeing that, and she even like does it again later to Schmidt, right? Or she tries, but like just seeing that that was like her reaction, I was like, just this is not who you are. Like you just said, like she's the one who goes to get coffee for the outside Dave on her on the roof of her car and she cares for even him that way. She just doesn't come off to me as someone who's going to truly like try to cause pain in like more of a rough and tumble way to people that she really does kind of like. <laughs> I was very taken aback by this, by her doing this. Especially because she gets the spot. Like, it's one thing if she's, like, doing it out of frustration that she didn't. And she gets the spot. She's just really awkwarded out and can't figure out her own feelings. And even the reason that Nick is in this position is because earlier when Winston left and it was just the three of them eligible for the spot, Jess and Schmidt just, like, team up and stare Nick out of the spot because he can't deal with this. And his answer is just, how do you two care about things so much? I heard that line, and I definitely was like, Nick, you do like people. Like, this is not, like, why are you surprised by how they care so much? Of course they're going to care so much, but also, when you wanted to prank Schmidt, you cared a lot. There was a lot that you were doing and spending money to make something happen. And if that's what they cared about was this parking spot, for whatever reason that it was, they were going to also care. So I thought it was a little naive of Nick to be like, how could he not, like, how could they care when maybe he doesn't or he thinks he doesn't? But like, he obviously cares a lot about a lot of things. <laughs> it's just different than a parking space. Yeah, the moment with the pranks on Schmidt really does stand out because he even says imagine how much money I'd save and you know he inspired Winston to go get a promotion from how much he cared about pranking Schmidt so it definitely doesn't track but maybe he's just thinking of something maybe more useful than an experience or getting the fun out of pranking Schmidt I don't know, but he is the decider of all of this. And the next time we see him, he's with Schmidt and Schmidt's super confident about getting the spot. And he thinks he thinks Nick is just playing with Jess, letting her think she's going to get it. And the minute Nick says that Jess gets the spot, Schmidt takes him back the beer and Nick has already spit his beer back into the mug. It's just hilarious. On the opposite end of Jess doing the purple nurple, this was probably the best little moment in this episode because it was an instant reaction from Nick because he's like taking a big swig of his beer and then he's like, what? Like spitting it back out. That was too funny. And then also Schmidt follows that up with like asking what charade is going on. But the way he says charade is like charade, which I'm like, 
That's how Jess said charades, but like when she was drunk in the cabin episode. And I just was so like, okay, Schmidt is finding out. Like this is this is the moment, which also made me realize too. It's like, yeah, he didn't know in Cooler, you know, no one really knew. And in the episode 16, he didn't know. All these other people found out at the at the marriage convention, but Schmidt never really found out at that moment. So now only in this moment when he's in like competition mode is he figuring it out. But like, I was honestly kind of surprised how upset he was. And you could hear coming out of his mouth, he's like mazel tov and like so angry. I feel like he handled it much like Winston did when he found out that Cece and Schmidt were together with like an anger perspective as opposed to just shock. and. In this, you're right. I didn't actually think about the fact that Schmidt didn't know. But then at one point, Schmidt even says, like, when this blows up. And I was actually really sad to hear that because Winston's reaction to Nick telling him this was that it was going to blow up. And now Schmidt's reaction is the exact same thing. And it's just sad to see that neither Winston nor Schmidt really have faith in this relationship that you, I, and so many of these viewers really want Jess and Nick to be together and the people who know them don't think it's going to happen. And Nick is so conflicted about that because Schmidt is his best friend. Like they're best friends. As much as they have their little moments, they're best friends. But clearly Nick really likes Jess and wants to see what's happening with that. And so in this moment, you know, Schmidt is upset and he's angry and like, yeah, he had a similar reaction as Winston did or like even to Schmidt and Cece getting together. But it's like, I just felt bad for Nick in this moment. I was sad that that was Schmidt's reaction, but then I felt bad for Nick because he's clearly between a rock and a hard place with his two friends that he cares for because, you know, he didn't want to cause all this drama. You know, and he's trying to make it up to Jess and he goes and starts hugging her. And yes, you said it earlier, but he hugs her so much in this episode. Like, I think in a way, it's almost like he realizes he can't just like go around kissing her because it's really awkward (laughs) and they haven't really figured out what's going on there. So he's just finding ways to like hug her and like moments that don't even make sense. He's just like embracing her and you're just like, it's cute. But then, yeah, he's just very in the middle of all of this and I don't think he likes it even to place him in the middle even if they were just friends is a tough thing to do and when Jess admits that she used her body to get the spot I immediately actually thought that Schmidt was gonna try and use his body to get the spot like how he did a lap dance on Nick earlier after trying to show Angie that she was doing it wrong And it just would have been funny, but you still get to see Nick make that switch because he's conflicted and give the spot to Schmidt. And then you just see Schmidt smiles every time Nick's looking away. It was one of my favorite parts. That was really funny. And I mean, he went so quick, like Nick kept turning around that I think Schmidt was having a hard time or really Max Greenfield was having a hard time, like keeping up the charade and (laughs) trying to (laughs) pretend that he was not smiling or that he was smiling. But then that's, this is again where Jess is trying to do the purple nurple because she's upset at Schmidt, which like was weird again. It was weird both times. We didn't need it either time. But then there's a moment where she can't find Schmidt's nipples and he's like, I'll never tell. And you're just like, what is even happening? (laughs) 
just like, I had to suspend disbelief for a second and be like, okay, that's, this is, this is the scene we're getting. I fully agree that Max Greenfield was having fun with this scene in this episode. But then Nick obviously is still pained and he just walks out. And it led to the scene, which I only knew to even pick up on because Kelly, you had mentioned it was one of your favorite quotes in our season one recap with the what are we doing after all the weirds. I have to say, I don't think I would have ever picked up on this without you calling this out. But it was so identical to what happened earlier in season one. Yes, I definitely was very excited to have this scene in this episode. I didn't really remember that this was the episode with it. But then as soon as they went out there, I was like, this is it. This is my scene. (laughs) And I was brought back immediately. Like, I think part of the reason I loved it, and I think what I mentioned in the recap was that it's, you know, the saying weird to each other, I just thought was so silly. And then, you know, my husband and I sometimes would do that to each other and be like, weird, 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 weird. just make really funny faces at each other the way that Jess and Nick did. And what I really loved about it and why it was my favorite line is because Nick ends it by going, what are we doing? Because he like stops the shenanigans to be like, what is this? But then that's where it was my favorite because it was a callback in a way, like a really subtle, but like similar callback to season one, episode 22, where they were shaking their butts at each other because Nick was getting back together with Caroline at the time and they were starting to have an argument, like a passionate argument that was different than like her, Jess's relationship with Russell. And they start shaking their butts at each other, which is really just saying weird, but in a very different way, you know, like <laughs> being so <laughs> weird with each other. And so I just loved it. I loved seeing this. I thought it was so silly and how they just made the silliest faces with each other. You know, Jess continues to make faces like that because when Nick says that he has decided that he's taking the spot as the decider, which honestly he should have done all along, they gave him the power to decide and he should have used it. But when he finally does, she has such an exaggerated face. Like even when she's yelling to Schmidt that he said he would kill them and now to kill Nick because she wants the parking spot so bad. It was... It was a lot for the episode and just watching Jess and Schmidt kind of gang up on Nick and then everyone running off to get their cars, even the level of like sabotaging, right? Because as Schmidt's running to his car, he drops the trash can and Nick just jumps over it and Jess is like, do do I fix it? Do I, do I put all the trash back in or do I get my car and win this? It was so funny to watch. No, I thought they did a really good job portraying everyone and how they really acted or how their characters would approach that scene and really go about things. But the part that I thought was so crazy was that they finally get into the parking area and Nick doesn't have his car. So he goes to like pull the chair to sit on it and like Schmidt comes in and he literally hits Nick with his car, which he calls out. And he's like, did you just hit me with your car? Like realize the level of intensity that this is. But then Jess comes in and hits him with his car. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, all of them are off their rockers. They've gone cuckoo. This is ridiculous. This is just a parking space. Nobody needs this this much. But then of course we find them in the next scene sitting there with their car still in the positions that they were, they didn't fix it. They just sat in the spot 
It looked so dangerous, honestly. The fact that Jess's car was moving Schmidt's car, which was then moving Nick, like that seemed so dangerous. At least Schmidt was in a car, Jess was in a car. I was truly worried that something was going to happen to Nick in this episode and we were going to get a flashback to episode 15 of season one, Injured, because so reckless. And you're right, they just left the cars there and then they talk about being there all night and just says that she would stay there all night because she has an empty bladder she has hard candy and then we get like a little callback to season two episode eight with the all day but now it's all night and nick and schmidt are doing this and my favorite part of that was jess's response was just yeah that that's what i just said like you guys are saying things as if it's your original thought it's actually mine i just said this I just like that they brought back the all night, the way that it was all day. I thought that was really fun. But yeah, Jess was so funny because she didn't really get it because she wasn't in on it. But really, Nick wasn't in on it either. It was just Schmidt. So, (laughs) but quickly we start finding out about this whole no nail oath because they're sitting there, they're struggling to be there. But then Nick is saying how he regrets the kiss. And that was so sad. Nick is 100% self-sabotaging in this moment. And I especially liked Schmidt's take on it when they were downstairs, where Jess is saying that Nick should back her up and he owed her that because he didn't give her the spot. And Schmidt specifically asks, why would he need to back you up? because you guys kissed. It shows why they made this no-nail oath later because they don't have equal loyalties. Like she's expecting something from him because they kissed, even though they both are trying to make it seem like nothing. And you're right, Nick regrets the kiss and Jess is hurt by it because she also feels like there is something there. And I get why it's so awkward, why we're watching this play out the way it is. But of course, the like Jess and Nick shipper in me wants them to just get over all of this and get together. And you even see Nick lean in for a kiss at one point in this episode, right before Schmidt walks in. And uh, I'm happy Schmidt walked in because I don't think they would be in a good relationship if they started now. But I am ready for them to be in a relationship. I'm glad you feel that way. (laughs) That's similar to how I feel, of course. I'm ready for this to happen. I'm ready for this to come together. And that moment, it was really sweet because they're just trying to understand this no no nail oath. And Nick is just giving in on the fact that it's like, Jess, it was me. I couldn't help it. Like I needed this because I was ready. You know, since the day I saw you, you were interesting to me. And you're just like, Nick, you're so cute. But then why do you say all these self-sabotaging things? Like, I regret it. Like, then backtrack it. And then all this other stuff. And uh, all of it was just so, like, I really liked how they did it in the episode. But it just was so, like, it kept pulling me one direction and then the other. Yeah, I felt that with the episode, too, where you felt like they were going to reach another kiss maybe by the end of the episode. And like we said, Nick leaned in to kiss her before Schmidt walked in and Schmidt walks in kind of talking about this no nail oath and even reads it out loud. And I love how Nick was like, I didn't read the fine print. I didn't read the fine print. And Jess is probably the angriest I've seen her on this show. And I felt it for her too, because all of this was so 
almost gross to watch and the fact that he just had it on his phone like how did they sign this was it like a signed thing he took a photo of or did he type this up like Schmidt had it ready to go and he just continues to make it worse by saying that the only way to make it better is for him to kiss her too (sighs) that kiss was a mistake and everybody knew it it was really really awkward and they immediately realized how bad it was and I did I did love how he had it on his phone though and I he pulled out his phone and I'm like oh blackberries we're in the stage of blackberries now we like moved away from the flip phone now we have a blackberry iphone like early iphone situation so I thought that was funny to have that for for Schmidt but yeah the fact that he did try to kiss her and it was so weird and then I mean it's not that this is really the first time like Jess did try to hook up with Schmidt back in Valentine's Day because she had the dirty twirls and she was pretty. And the only reason that she didn't try to make that happen is because Nick caught her. I mean, she would have found Schmidt with Cece, which would have also been a surprise, but she was going to try to sleep with Schmidt in the moment. And then also Schmidt on his birthday, the story of the 50 also leaned in to try to kiss her in that moment. And like Schmidt and Jess have had these like little moments here and there. And only now that she's officially kissed Nick, was it a whole like, well, now I have to kiss you. And it was just like, do you, do you Schmidt? It was really weird. And Schmidt offered to be her rebound back in the pilot. And nobody talked about it in no nail oath then. Even when you're talking about the story of the 50, they fined him $50 for the douchebag jar, but they didn't make a big deal out of the fact that this would have potentially been breaking the no-nail oath, probably because it didn't exist at the time when those episodes came out. But the way they're handling it, especially with Schmidt begrudgingly kissing Jess, it's just not the vibe that you would expect from Schmidt. When he even told all of them back in Jess and Julia that when he thought he was getting a girl roommate, he would get to sleep with her friends and maybe even her. Yeah, Schmidt, Schmidt definitely, like, changes the game pretty rapidly when he needs to. But honestly, what came to my mind in that moment, too, was, like, clearly this was a kiss meant for making the no-nail oath right, you know, and making it accurate for what they agreed to. Because Jess and Schmidt just did it in that moment. That was, like, really awkward and clearly not a moment. But that's exactly what Nick was like, not like this. You know, he didn't want to have the kiss in a moment that was like, oh, it's just a game. Like for this, this wasn't a game. It was this like, oh, thing. But like, it was kind of just a game. Like, oh, they just did it. And they thought it'd just make it less weird. But no, it didn't. But it was a game for them, Jess and Schmidt, this episode. So it was kind of funny, too, that Winston wasn't in the no nail oath. No nail oath. It didn't really clarify if he was in on it as well. So, like, what happens if Jess kissed Winston if he wasn't in on it? Is that fine? Like, there wasn't any rules about that. Yeah, and they had added Coach, which was a really nice touch to kind of remember Coach from the pilot. We got mentions of him every now and then, which I really actually appreciate. But would Jess now have to go kiss Coach? Like, if Coach ever came back, would we see them kiss to fulfill the no-nail oath? Or was Schmidt's kiss here kind of proving, like you said, we don't even need a no-nail oath. This is a bad idea. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. Hopefully this is the last we hear of the no-nail oath in general. And whether or not Winston was in on the no-nail oath, he definitely wasn't part of any of this plot line except to like run in and out every now and then because he's off trying to 
have sex with Daisy because they only have short sex windows because she travels and he works nights. And honestly, this this window kind of seemed long because when he showed up, she said, I said 245, not 308, which, okay, that gives us like a little perspective of when in the day this was all happening. But then we see him running around all day, like into the night. And I was wondering when he was going to get to work. Like he's just been running around trying to find a condom. I definitely thought this whole storyline was funny and a little ridiculous, but then, you know, he goes quickly to put his pants back on and it's Daisy's yum pants, you know, but I just didn't understand why she wouldn't go with him. Cause then he really is like running around everywhere. And honestly, like his whole progression throughout the whole time, like he goes to the drugstore, which is like the first logical step. He realized at that moment, or he didn't know at that time that he didn't have his wallet or anything, but then he seems really creepy, really, really, really creepy. Like there was clearly like the kid in the line and like, he's just like, oh, give me your money so I can have sex. I need this condom. And you're just like, Winston, really? Like you ha- you're in like a different brain space right now. Cause we know you're not this creepy of a person. Both creepy and almost a little desperate because it was like it was that moment or never almost in that the way they were portraying it. And it even continues because he goes to find Cece because she's the only person he knows in that neighborhood. And I don't think we've ever seen Winston at Cece's apartment before this. Like we've seen Schmidt come in, obviously Jess. I don't know that we've even seen Nick come, but... Cece seems so happy, you know, talking to Chevron, and he's back when we last saw him in Cooler because that was their first date. And then you just hear Winston banging on the door. <sighs> he was totally ruining this for her. Cece's reaction of just trying to be like, he's asking for rhubarb pie <laughs> was, was just so ridiculous because I'm just like, Cece, you're trying really hard to play this off. But as soon as you went to the door... Like, if they were just quiet, he would have gone away. They went, He wouldn't have known that she was home. Like, it wasn't a guarantee that she was home. And Winston and his creepiness and his, like, just desperateness and, like, blinders situation of, like, what he was trying to do was continue, like, it continued to progress. But then, you know, you brought up earlier, like, oh, we didn't really get to see Winston's car to the end. We were assuming he was driving, but I think he was running around because even in a car, you would have had, like, pennies or something, or, like, sometimes you have, like, loose change, or you have at least, like, other shirts or pants or something. Like, I don't know. He seemed like the kind of guy who would keep something in his car that would, like, Maybe not be planned, but it would have been able to like scrounge something up to like do something or at least have him get back to the loft, which we do see, but he goes, he doesn't even go to his own room. Like he never even had a condom to begin with. He never grabbed the money from the douchebag jar. He only went into Jess's room to try to find a condom. And you're just like, Winston, you have completely lost your marbles. You are not thinking straight. And yes, the window, like we all mentioned, like wasn't that long because it was getting late. He just completely forgot everything about life. I think it goes to Nick's room too, actually. But why wouldn't you go to Schmidt's room? Like if there's one person in the loft that's definitely going to have condoms, it is Schmidt. And 1000% that he's just not thinking straight. I didn't think about the douchebag jar either. 
but he just throughout this entire moment everything comes from a place of just flusteredness and just oh I can do this and yeah maybe he was running everywhere that would be also kind of crazy I can imagine not having eight dollars though of spare change because that's what that drugstore first told him and eight dollars is a lot to just have lying around your car if you don't like keep cash specifically for that reason but Winston didn't have any thought process in this like his whole role in this I think was just to be like the chicken with the head cut off running around like not knowing where he's going to what and even the way he approached it when he was with Cece and Chevron I understand that like if Chevron had the condom he could have just given it to Winston like it didn't have to imply directly that he was trying to sleep with Cece but Winston then turning to Cece and saying is he gonna need it tonight was way too much like that it was actually inappropriate how how all of that went down. I thought Cece said it best. She's like, we are not close enough for this. Like, this is not the level of friends that we are. Like, you need to take a step back. And I thought at least Chevron, who's had the worst situations with Cece multiple times of basically being made fun of, it could come across that way. He was handling it like a pro. <laughs> he was being like... I don't need that to have a good relationship or like (laughs) I can be a like chivalrous man in this situation. And I thought he was handling it so well, but then, you know, Winston was just not letting it go. And you're just like, you know, props to Chevron, you know, you were handling this situation as best as you could. And you didn't go running out of there again because you probably had the right to. I would be surprised if we saw him come back because if I were him, I would not. I mean, if you even look at it, it was right after Cece said, my friends aren't that bad, you know? <laughs> They're not always like this. There's no drama. And then all of this happened. And Winston's drama just, like, continues. Like we said, he went to the loft. He went to Jess's room. And he finds the box of condoms that we've seen her haul around since Valentine's Day, which was a 100 set of condoms, I think, then. But if you actually look at the box, it says 300 count. And this apparently was the last one left. It was fun to see that same box of condoms because that's the same one from episode 13 and season one, Valentine's Day. And that, there's no way Jess used all of those. And I think Winston was right. Like she either doesn't know how to use them, or she's been going a little crazy (laughs) with all these condoms. But then she spilled a bunch of them too in that episode. So I think it's probably like... Maybe, but she spilled them outside Schmidt's door. And I feel like she wouldn't have just left them there in the loft to just be like, okay, these are like here. Because I don't think she spilled them at the bar. No, she did spill them in the apartment. So yeah, I don't know. But Winston ended up back at... Daisy's confusing apartment complex and yelled out like he he was just so outspoken about his need and want to have sex with Daisy and yelling for her and saying I deserve this and like where's my sex (laughs) basically so he gets back to the loft and is just like okay I've had the worst day ever here's what happened and then they give the spot to Winston he's like I need a win And he gets it. But is it really a win? (laughs) It is not a win because his car barely fits in. He can't really get out. He triggers the alarm of the car next to him. And my favorite thing is that 
Schmidt actually is hesitant to give him the spot. And Schmidt's car is much bigger than Winston's. So if Winston's car barely fit, Schmidt, your car would not have fit. You didn't need to fight for this because you couldn't use this spot. I think that's why he ended up running away too. Like he's like, nope. All of them were like, nope, we don't want any part of this. Clearly this is the reason we don't use this spot, but maybe they just need to get there before all the other cars do in the future. Or just park and never leave, which I think is what this loft would do. Yeah, which with Nick's car is probably a very sure bet. It probably wouldn't <laughs> move anyway. It barely even left where he had it parked. I think the only people who really use their cars are Jess and Schmidt, which means Nick should have just taken the spot. That gets us, though, to our Schmidtism, which in this episode, we had a few moments that we did really enjoy, but... The main one that we're going to do for you, Kritika is going to be reading Schmidt and I'll be reading Jess, but it's when Schmidt finds out about the kiss. What the hell? Hmm? What the hell? I'm checking my email. Oh. Oh. Okay. You think that I'm blind? You think I can't smell it? You think I can't hear it? The stench of filth and lust is all over this room. Smells like freaking Tijuana. What happened here? The way Schmidt puts all this into words is hilarious because obviously he's just really picking up on their body language and the fact that I think this is another moment where Nick's kind of trying to hug Jess and it's awkward. But the way he describes all of this and just the facial expressions, which obviously I can't recreate on this podcast, but everything about the scene was hilarious. It was quite, quite funny. And especially because even though Nick is really trying to hug Jess a lot, in the moment that Schmidt entered the room and sat down, he didn't, like, there wasn't any hugs or anything, or they weren't even talking to each other. But he immediately, as soon as he heard that Jess got the parking space and then she she saw him sit down next to Nick, it was like an instant understanding of why. And like you said, the words that he used to be like, I can smell this. The filth and lust is all over this room. Even though he says room, <laughs> like rum. Yeah, the weird way to say it. But yeah, this, that, that moment to me, like this was by far the funniest thing. Even just the whole dialogue, even farther with Nick, you know, it's just like, was hilarious. He also had another line that I really enjoyed, which is when he, after the scene, goes out to find his car and he reaches the lot and he says, Oh, damn it. You middled me again. I am not to be middled. It's in my contract. Shoot. And just the way he goes through this and he has it in a contract at a parking lot that he's not going to be middled. It's so in character for Schmidt, and I found it hilarious as well. Definitely in character, and I can guarantee that that parking lot that he was at did not have contracts that said they wouldn't middle your car. Schmidt made his own contract and gave it to them, and of course they're not following it because it's not a binding contract by any means. 100% that Schmidt had to have created his own contract. But getting into our In the 2020s, we didn't have a lot for most of the In the 2020s this time. One of the things that kind of stood out was Winston saying he deserved sex. This one wasn't really a not in the 2020s, but it was definitely something that both Kelly and I cringed at. We don't think that Winston truly meant it, which is why it's not 
a bigger part of our not in the 2020s, but the idea that you would deserve sex just because you ran around trying to get a condom would be a not for us. And on that same theme, another small one for us was the fact that Daisy put it entirely on Winston to have brought a condom. And since both of them had agreed to the sex window, it would be one thing if that had been something previously discussed where Winston was the one who was going to be providing that. But from the way that scene played out, it kind of just seemed like Daisy just assumed Winston would bring one and that it was his responsibility. And really, it's something that when both people are engaging in this act, it's kind of something that can be a shared responsibility. It definitely can be shared. And really, I kind of said it already, but I really felt like Daisy should have gone with him. And I think it could have been just as funny in this episode to have both of them running around town trying to get a condom. And, you know, maybe she forgot her wallet too because they ran out quickly to try to make it happen because the time window was only so big. So I feel like it could have been just as funny and had both of them had it been a scene that was recreated today. Another one that we thought was a little not in the 2020s was the no nail oath just in general, but really specifically the subtext of the no nail oath, because it's one thing to say, hey, you know, we're going to make a pact as an apartment where we're all not going to hook up with the other person. That's one of our rules of the loft, an agreement for everybody. But just because if one does hook up with someone, Everybody should hook up with that someone because then it's like no one is choosing that. It takes away choice. It takes away the ability. But then like they should have almost more so had a had a subtext that said, oh, if one person does, it has to be immediately announced to the loft or like then it has to be like an intervention or a team discussion or something like that. But not a, oh, well, then we all get to be sexually active with everyone. <laughs> like I don't know how that made sense to them in 2011 when Jess moved into the apartment. And the other thing about the no-nail oath is if Jess was in on it, like you said, it's fine to have an agreement as a loft, but that would have to involve everybody in the loft, not Jess being separated and this being a pact that Schmidt, Nick, and Coach made without Jess being a part of it. Jess didn't even know this existed. And I think it would have been something that at least when she first moved in, she would have also been on the same page of not hooking up with anybody in the loft because that can ruin a roommate dynamic and if it had been something everyone had been present for it wouldn't have necessarily been a not in the 2020s and the whole fine print thing is a little bit fishy it seems a little bit like schmidt wrote it and no one else knew about it at least from the way nick interpreted it and i don't feel like that's something that coach would have signed either just from the little we know of his personality so That also felt a little bit icky as far as our not in the 2020s. On the yes side, one that in a way we were kind of okay with, it came off creepy at times, but Winston sharing with the world like, hey, I want to have protected sex and I want this to happen, you know, and Daisy did want it to happen as well, but just they required a condom and we did kind of talk about that piece of it, but there's no shame in Winston wanting to hook up with Daisy. So we thought that was a great yes in the 2020s moment. Even if watching it played out a little weird for us. In pop culture this episode, we had one that was pretty fun. 
that Jess mentioned when she finally was about to go get the cats off her car because she realized she wasn't going to have the space. She needed to take her car. So she grabbed fish sticks from the freezer. And Nick is like, why do you have the fish sticks? And she was going to take them to go get the cats off and sing Memory to them. Memory is a show tune composed by Andrew Lloyd Webber from the very famous Broadway musical Cats. And so it's very appropriate, very in character for Jess, that she thought not only the fish sticks, but singing a song from the Broadway musical Cats would pull, would direct the cats away from her car. Yes, definitely in character for Jess. So the lyrics of the show tune were actually by Trevor Nunn, and it was based on a poem by T.S. Eliot. The song was written for the musical Cats, and in the musical, it's sang by the main character, Grizabella, and it's a melancholy remembrance of her glamorous past and a plea for acceptance. And the song itself is actually the climax of the musical, and it's the best-known song. That's probably why Jess was referencing it, but it's kind of fun that the musicologist Jessica Sternfeld said that this song from Cats is by some expectations the most successful song ever from a musical. And it was actually named Best Song Musically and Lyrically in 1982 at the Ivor Novello Awards. And it's been covered by many different musical acts. In 2006, there were actually 600 recorded versions of the song. And it ranged from everyone from Barry Manilow in 1982 to Jennifer Hudson in 2019 and even a Dutch symphonic metal band in 2004 Epica has done a version of this song so it's very well known very successful and obvious choice for Jess to get the cats off her car the other pop culture reference that we noted was when Schmidt is saying what It's a very memorable new girl line about how Destiny might be a lady, but Victory has a penis, and that it's a direct quote from Scott Kahn. So we had to talk about Scott Kahn. Scott Kahn is an actor known for Hawaii Five-0 and was in Oceans 11, 12, and 13, as well as Entourage, and he did a lot of movies in the late 90s and early 2000s. He's the son of James Kahn, a tough guy actor and the actress and model Sheila Ryan his parents did get divorced and so he actually has four half siblings he's an older half sister three younger half brothers and in 2014 he and his girlfriend Casey Bixby had his first child a daughter named Josie James Kahn in addition to his acting Scott Kahn also had pursued a career in photography and was inspired by the cinematographer Phil Parment and while they had worked together on the 2003 film Dallas 362. And so it's something that he's been into ever since. Separately from photography and from acting, he was in a rap duo called The Hooligans with a W-H and a Z at the end of it as a teenager. And they had one single from 1993 called Put Your Hands Up, which of course, can you guess, has a Z as well for hands like hooligans with z's and his rap alias of course was mad skills with a z again he thought that was the cool thing to do back in the 1990s he did go to beverly hills high school at the same time as angelina jolie and 
He is very active in volunteering with Surfers Healing, which is an organization that introduces children with autism to the joys of surfing. Maybe something that he found enjoyable as he was a big role on Hawaii Five-0. And while Scott Kahn is an actor, he is not the guest stars we're going to feature on this episode. There were a number of people on this episode, but we will not be discussing Kevin Linehan, who played the male cashier, Happy Mahaney, who played the condom guy, Brenda Song, who plays Daisy, and Satya Baba, who plays Chevron today. But we're going to start with Steve Agee, who plays Outside Dave. He's been in so many TV shows like New Girl, Superstore, The Sarah Silverman Program, Peacemaker, 12 Forever, American Princess, You're the Worst, and Adventure Time, as well as movies like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 and, coming out shortly, The Suicide Squad. On the personal front, he graduated from a military academy and also considers himself today an occasional photographer. He's done a few different podcasts. One is called Steve Agee, uh, and that is updated somewhat regularly. But then he did have a podcast with Busy Phillips called We're No Doctors, where it was the two of them that are self-proclaimed hypochondriacs who hosted a podcast about health and medicine, even though the two are both actors. So it's not something that's currently airing. If it is, it's kind of ad hoc, but then... It was a show that he did with her or just kind of on his own or other guests. And before his mainstream success in the movie industry, Agi gained notoriety by posting online comedy videos that were kind of controversial. So it seemed to have worked out for him even after the military academy to get, get into this business. The other guest actor that we're going to focus on in this episode is the old man driver who almost hits... Jess with his car, where they keep trying to tell the other to go, and his name is E.J. Callahan. He was in many episodes of The Mick, and then he's been in one episode of Truth Be Told, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Pen15, Mom, Will and Grace, Superstore, American Housewife, One at a Time, and The Grinder. He's also been in movies like Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion, Bubble Boy, Inspector Gadget, that we've also talked about here on this podcast, and Mouse Hunt. On the personal front, there's not a lot known about his past, even his birthday, or really about why he wanted to become an actor, or anything from before. His first on-screen role was in 1995, when he was the DC3 pilot in the movie Congo, and his first major role was the TV show Kelly mentioned, The Mick, and has been in more shows than even what we listed here for only an episode or two. In our trivia and fun facts, we did have another AV Club article where the New Girl showrunners did get to talk about some of the behind the scenes of this episode. And it's pretty interesting because they said the original version of this episode was going to be broader and wackier than the final version. They actually were going to have actor Billy Eichner come in and play some kind of Hollywood tour bus company tour guide and just have a lot of different kind of chaos than we probably saw in what was the final version. Part of the reason that that had changed is because with the kiss in Cooler, they really had to do a lot of rewriting for the second half of the season, as we kind of knew. And this was one that they had noted was probably the first rewrite from top to bottom 
for the whole episode. So from what was originally planned to what actually ended up coming out was quite different. And it's also one that Elizabeth Merriweather called out as the first time they kind of realized that they didn't have to do a ton in the plot of the story to have an episode and they could lighten the load, focus on the characters and on the dialogue and the jokes they were saying without the weight of the story. And it, it led to why Elizabeth Merriweather in this article actually stated it might have been her favorite episode of the season. IMDb rated this an 8.2 out of 10. And when this first aired, there was 4.31 million US viewers. For me, I didn't really match Elizabeth Merriweather's note on this. It was a seven for me. There were parts I really liked and there were funny moments. Like even when Nick said what he thought Barack Obama's name was, I burst out laughing because I was not expecting that to be where it went. But overall, it just wasn't my favorite episode. It wasn't mine either. I also gave it a 7 out of 10. I think it's kind of funny to hear those fun facts of how they completely had to rewrite this episode. And obviously with deadlines, they probably had to rewrite it pretty quickly. But then that kind of explains how like we get the introduction of some kind of no-nail oath and how we probably won't hear about it again because it was probably a last-minute idea. And as kind of like you said, there were moments in this episode I thought were really funny and really cute and really cringy. And like I had a lot of emotions, but... It also was like, it definitely somehow by the end of it, I felt like I was just missing that glue that really made it a cohesive, solid episode. So I just really had to settle on a seven. My favorite character though, by far, was Schmidt. His line about, it smells like freaking Tijuana in here. I, I died. That's the moment that I was laughing out loud. And just everything, like Schmidt peeing himself, he peed himself in this episode. I couldn't even believe it. And... I just thought he brought the humor more than anybody else. My favorite character was Nick. Maybe not so much about the humor aspect, although he did have some great one-liners too, but just watching him kind of trying to figure out where to go from here, Jess is kind of more set on what the path forward is, but it's very clear that Nick is trying to reconcile his real feelings with what he thinks he needs to do. And just watching him kind of go through that made him my favorite character all the times he tries to hug Jess. It's just really sweet to watch him. That gets us to the end of our spoiler-free recap of this episode. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen to our podcast. And if you did find it interesting or you want to share your feedback with us, please reach out on Who's That Girl Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. We also have an email, whosthatgirlpod at gmail.com. And we have all our show notes available on our website, smallscreenchatter.com. So if you don't want to hear about any future storylines or endgame couples, you have five seconds to pause. If you do, we'll catch you again next week for episode 18. Our spoiler section. As always, we start with our in-game couples, and first it is Jess and Nick. Both Critique and I decided that this was a 7 out of 10 for them because as much as they're competing, they're trying to figure out this awkwardness, you know that there's something more that's going to be coming. You don't really know what it is yet, though, but you know that they're going to continue to progress this relationship, especially with Nick admitting, like, it was me I was too attracted to. And so that's why we really had to give them a 7 out of 10. Schmidt and Cece is clearly a zero because there was no interaction between the two of them and 
Cece was trying to get back together or was back together with Shivrong after this. So there was really no movement for them. And lastly, our douchebag tracker, where we rate if Schmidt is a douchebag, where that would be a 10, or if he's a genuine guy, which would be a zero. So in this episode, we gave him about a six and a half. I thought it was a little bit lower. Kritika thought it was a little bit higher, but he was a little much when it came to this parking spot. And some of the things he did was just a little over the top. So probably some of the things that should they had been enacting the douchebag jar, he would have got called out a few times to put some money in it. I'm really surprised he didn't, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, he definitely could have. But the only other thing that we wanted to kind of call out was something that stood out to us was when Cece tells Winston that they're not close enough to do this. And obviously, as later in the show, we find out that Winston actually becomes one of Cece's bridesmaids and they have classic mess arounds. And I'm excited to see how we get from this point where they're so separated and Cece doesn't even consider them close friends to where she asks him and he's her bridesmaid. I'm very excited with how much we have to look forward to with Cece and Winston. But that brings us to the end of episode 17. So Kelly and I just want to say thank you again for listening to this episode of Who's That Girl? We love to hear your feedback. So please shoot us an email at whosthatgirlpod at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at whosthatgirlpod. We'd also love a rating or if you leave a comment for us in Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this now. So thank you for listening and we hope you'll be back next week for the next episode. Thanks. <laughs>